and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. All right, if you would open your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 11 is where we're going to get in just a few minutes. I've got a few things to say before that time, <clears throat> and I want to just start by saying it's a new day, and we need to hear that. It's a new day. It's time for a fresh start, and being even in this room, which is just mind-boggling uh, and surreal to me personally, but being here, it's a new start. It's a fresh new start, new auditorium, new lobby, more people can talk and fellowship out there, Right? And uh, new kids area. Isn't that fun? Um, just excited about all of that. It's grand opening next, coming next week. And we are thankful to the Lord. That was the word for today. Thankful to the Lord. And, you know, the way this cycle of grace works is he pours out grace. Then we respond out of what all he's doing in our lives with generosity and sharing with others. And that all leads to praise to God. It's just a cycle of praise and grace and uh, yeah, I'm looking at Yancey Smith sitting back there. He was the one that first helped me to see all of that with those, those Greek words all just having the same kind of basic form of around the word grace, charis, and eucharista, thanksgiving, and praise to God. So, amen. Well, we're starting a new series today called Disciples at Antioch 1357. Now, that's intriguing, isn't it? I hope it's intriguing. One, three, five, seven. It's deep. Um, actually, I was talking with Jimmy Seibert a number of months ago, and we were just talking about what would be a hook way of just helping, just another fresh way of, you're not going to hear this and go, oh, I've never heard that before. But so, so I want us to remember one, three, five, seven. Can we just practice that one time together? One hand up in the air. One, three, Five, seven. Okay, we're going to learn this as we go through this. And this first one is, is one, vision. We're going to talk about vision. And then next week, we're going to be talking about three, and that's like values. That's our lifestyle, encounter, disciple, mission. And then the next week, uh, we're going to be talking about the five circles of church. And then on the final week, we're going to be talking about the seven marks of a disciple, now, actually, there's like 59 marks of a disciple, but we're going to try to pick seven of them and, and run with it, right? Okay, so, uh, man, let's have fun with it. It's, it's why, where, what, how. It's all of those kinds of things. Vision is about a preferable future. It's about some place that we want to get to that we're not there yet. And we're all motivated by vision. Vision helps us to say yes to things and no to things. It helps us to navigate life. Uh, in fact, Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, without vision, people perish. Or, or it's the way it says it in the NIV, it says, without revelation, people cast off restraint. You know, it's just like, oh, I'll just do whatever because I don't have revelation. I don't have a vision of where I'm called to go. And so vision really, really helps us. And we started, you know, this church many years ago. We're about to finish our third decade of ministry Pretty soon, uh, next year in January, it will be the end of three decades. We need to do a something. We need to have a party. <laughs> 30 years, I mean, it's like, do, let's do something, right? 
But we started with a dream to be the church like we read about in Scripture. Acts 2, all that fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, just disciples just being devoted to Jesus and, and having that sense of awe in our midst. And the Acts 11 stuff, the reproducing church and sending people out to the nations, all of that was in our heart. We wanted to see church like we read about there. We, wanted, we were asking and dreaming, what would it be like to plant a church where we were missionaries? where we thought like missionaries and got outside of the box of the way we'd always done things growing up, but we did different things in order to reach people and to make disciples. You know, we were asking those kinds of questions. We ultimately moved to Fort Worth with a vision. And we said, what would it be like to, to dream and to have a headquarters for a church planting movement right here in Fort Worth? And we dreamed about diversity in the church. And in Grapevine, everybody was the same. And then we come down here, and if you look around, not everybody's the same. You know, there's all different kinds of backgrounds and ethnicities represented in this room, and it's a big deal. It matters. And so we dreamed about diversity, and we dreamed about impacting the lives of high school students and the lives of college students. TCU really was a big reason why we came down, sold our homes, and moved. We dreamed in a way, we even said to, to people, we said, hey, would you go with us as missionaries? Would you dream this dream with us, sell your house, keep your same job, and move with us as missionaries to Fort Worth? And a few hundred people did that. You know, just it's a dream. It's a vision. That's what the Lord's called us to. You know, and even now, as I look around this room, I just this morning I was praying, and I was just thinking, this space leads to more vision, doesn't it? But I just want you to imagine just start dreaming with me. What kind of stuff is going to happen in this room? Just dream about the encounters with God and His presence that are going to happen in this room and the lives that are going to be changed, the people that are going to commit their lives to following Jesus Christ right here in this room. The, the, just to a new level of consecration or devotion or following Him, being all in. It's going to happen right here. Imagine the people that will be baptized into Christ in this room, I don't know exactly how it's all going to look yet, but it's going to happen. Believe me, it's going to happen. But imagine the, the children that are going to be little babies that are going to be dedicated in this room. Imagine the, the, uh, the people that are going to get married in this room. I mean, I know mostly everybody's getting married outside right now. But, but I can see men and women walking, uh, uh, a man and a woman, walking down this aisle. Getting married, old school, like you used to do it in a church building. Just saying it's a possibility. Dream with me. Come on. We're dreaming. That actually takes a lot of vision right now. So, uh, you know, having vision is so important because in the course of life, you face challenges. We've been going through massive challenges right now. We need vision, right? We need to not cast off restraint, but need to keep pressing toward what God has given us to do. We move forward with vision, uh, the vision, most of all, of Jesus and what he's doing. That's our vision. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus and what Jesus is doing. Um, we want to be about his reign. We want to be about his kingdom coming in and through our lives. We want to be about the great commandment to love God and to love others. We want to be about the great commission to make disciples you know, just it's basic stuff, and yet we have to keep reminding ourselves, and we have to keep encouraging each other. I need encouragement. Remember, I've got a birthmark right here, a big bullseye for encouragement. 
serious. Feel free. Just you, you want to throw some encouragement this way? Bring it on. We need each other. We need this encouragement to love God and love one another, make disciples. That, you know, I was reading through the ends of the Gospels this morning, all the great commissions. You know, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Go make disciples and teach them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them the things I've taught you. Go, go be that kind of people. Acts 1.8, you know, you're going to be my witnesses. You are going to point to me. Not just here, but in expanding circles of concern from Fort Worth to this region, to the state, to the nation, and to the nations. You're going to be witnesses that bear a testimony to Jesus. And some of that, this vision stuff that we're talking about, it's, it's shared in the body of Christ. And then some of it is unique in, in like different churches have different callings, you know, where they emphasize something maybe more than others. Does that make sense? So vision, us knowing the big picture vision, the shared vision out there, and us knowing what we're called to do is really a big deal. So I want to talk about that today, that shared vision. Here's the main thing in one kind of just soundbite is that God is inviting us to intentionally share the life of Christ in the church to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. And those of you who know our vision statement, you know that that's mostly it. There's a few more phrases in there that I'm going to mention here in just a second. But God's always doing, I'm sorry, this is so real, surreal being up here. I just had, that was the thought that just went through my head. I'm, just, I'm sitting here preaching in this room. I can't believe it. So God is always doing, Kim's always like, don't just say whatever comes in your head happens way too much. <laughs> but God is doing more than what we can see. He's always doing more than we can see. And that's good news. It's good news. He's working behind the scenes all the time, and it's good to reflect on that. So let me just mention this shared vision at three different levels. And the first level I want to mention is with the church around the world and in the city. We've got shared vision with the church. There's a big, giant church around the world, big, giant church in the city of Fort Worth, and we have shared vision. And the vision is centered in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of the living God. You know, that we share that vision with everybody. So we want to have that revelation of who he is because he is the key to understanding God. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. We keep our eyes, we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. That is the dead center of the dead center. He reveals that he is the eternal son of the eternal father in their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit, the triune God of relationship and love. That's Jesus Christ, and that's what he reveals to us. He died for the sins of the world. That's Jesus, who is the Lord. And he is declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true king and Lord of the world. Praise God. That's who Jesus is. And he is victorious over sin, death, and the devil. Praise God. This is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And it's the center of the center of the center. And so we proclaim this gospel, the good news that Jesus is the Lord. 
that Jesus is the king, that his kingdom is here, that it has arrived. It has been declared with power through his resurrection. And forgiveness of sins is proclaimed through the name of Jesus because he died and is resurrected. He has ascended to the right hand of God and he has poured out his spirit to make all of this real. Like it's not just me up here talking, saying some ideas. You know it's real because you've experienced it. What the father planned before creation and the son executed in time 2,000 years ago, and now the Holy Spirit makes real in our experience right now. It's just, oh, you know, and we share this with the church around the world. We share this good news with the church around the world, with the church in Myanmar, with the church in China, and the church in India, and the church in Afghanistan, and the church in Germany, and on South America, on and on and on, or Africa, around the world, we share this good news. And we share this vision with the church in Fort Worth. You know, there are some amazing congregations of the Lord's people right here, and we share. This is our common vision. Not everybody's going to say it exactly the same way I'm saying it right now, but this is our heart. We love each other. We we, we care for each other. The pastors, we tell each other we love each other when we're together. I mean, it's a big deal. You guys that are praying for unity, keep praying for unity because we love each other in the church in our city. We, as one congregation, make up one church with many other congregations of the Lord's people. In fact, the chairs that you're sitting on right now are not ours. <laughs> They belong to Christ Church Assembly of God. And could you guys just honor Christ Church right now in the name of Jesus? Thank you. We bless Christ Church. We bless Pastor Darius in the name of Jesus that you guys would just walk into the fullness of all that God has for you. We thank God for you and we thank God for your generosity in, in blessing us to have these chairs for a few weeks here. We love you and may the Lord bless you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so that's we, we share vision with the church around the world and in our city. We share vision with the larger Antioch movement. That's the second piece I want to mention here. So that we have this common motto that just is our heartbeat, and that is we have a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And you'll see that on the banners out in the light posts out there, a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And I mean, it gets broken down in lots of ways, but I mean, you know, discipleship is huge for us. We want to make disciples. As a movement, we're known for making disciples. We're known for uh, this house-to-house -house ministry that's so big to us. They met from house-to-house -house and in the temple courts. This is a temple court meeting, but we value life groups and house-to-house -house meetings and and, uh, and worship. We love to worship and prayer. We love to pray. You know, the first thing we did when we started building out the building a little bit, even, uh, you know, when we first bought it was to build a prayer room. You know, how many thousands of hours have people prayed in there in that prayer room down there on the corner? Over and over. Um, so prayer and worship, all of these things, just absolutely huge. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that the Antioch movement is also known for the nations, right? When I first got connected with Antioch back in the 90s, you know, it was about the T, reaching the T of the uttermost. That's where, you know, it was like 
you know, I, America, somebody else is going to have to get America, but right now we're going, to, we're going to where it's hard. We're going to Pakistan. We're going to Afghanistan. We're going to Haiti or where, you know, just the hard, hard places. And, uh, you know, Afghanistan and Haiti have been in the news lately. And I, the first time I went to a world mandate back, I think it was 99, and I'm backstage, I'm praying with a, a number of different people. There was five or six of us in the room there, and uh, uh, doesn't matter who, but there was this one guy um, uh, who was praying, and he's got a red, short guy, name's Kurt, and uh, got a red beard like this, and uh, he's praying passionately. He's praying, and I'm, I'm t- I can tell through the prayers that he's been kicked out of Afghanistan by the Taliban, and that he's praying fervently to get back into Afghanistan. And I'm, I'm trying to keep, keep, you know, just do the prayer thing, and I'm, yes, Lord, but I'm going, who, who are you? You know, what, what I, I, this was new to me. You know, he's a persecuted brother, kicked out of the country, and praying to get back into it. You know, and so for these 25 years, there's been a presence there in the country from Antioch. You know, just that's, that's a part of who we are. You know, ha- Haiti, just, well, let me, one more thing about, about Afghanistan. This is before a lot of you guys may have even been born, but back in 9-11, right after 9-11, Heather Mercer, two of our missionaries, and Dana Curry were arrested by the Taliban and were in jail there for three months or so, and we were praying fervently for them to be delivered. It was such a big deal at that time. I remember exactly where I was, driving on the road beside 121, and when I heard the news say that they had been delivered and set free and rescued by, by, the, the, by the special forces, I literally just pulled over and just praised God out loud in my car with tears in my eyes. I mean, it was, it was a big deal, you guys. We were praying for their deliverance, and, uh, they, and they, they were guilty of what they had been accused of, <laughs> of sharing Jesus, <laughs> you know? So they, they, they did, in fact, do that. And uh, so, you know, we, you know, when hard stuff happens, what you see in the Antioch movement is us running to it. Not running away from it, but running to it. There was a tsunami, we're running to it. Rebuilding, planting churches, all of that. Uh, Haiti, I remember back in 2010, I think it was, when that first big earthquake, and, and the, a number of our medical teams, Uh, People that are here, even in the room right now, running to that. Our disaster relief arm, Acts of Mercy, was was created during that window of time with the tsunami and then with Haiti to to create teams of people that are ready to go. Even right now, I know that there's another appeal going out across the movement for people to go into uh, Haiti again. And it's, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing. Or fighting against uh, human trafficking with Unbound. We've got some great people in the church here, our Unbound arm, Fort Worth, but it's now called Unbound North Texas, and we partner with Antioch Dallas as well. It's just, it's exciting stuff, a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. That's a part of our shared vision. And now let's talk about Antioch Fort Worth here, our shared vision here, which we just put into a sentence, and we say our vision is to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church through new disciples and new life groups and new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. I mean, I, I want to get in on that. That's, I just want to be a part of that. Something beautiful happens 
when we participate in the life of God together. It's just, to be marked by His life is to be marked by His love. To be marked by His life is to be marked by His purpose and His destiny and His calling for us. To share and multiply the life of Christ in the church. This is plan A. This, this is God's plan A, that the boundless riches of Christ would be preached and proclaimed, and the administration of the riches of Christ would happen through the church, and we would put on the wisdom, display the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. This is the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and that's what we're doing. That's what we want to be about, and there's, I just, life is amazing in God, because it's like Jesus says, it's like a seed that goes in the ground and it grows. The farmer doesn't understand how it grows, but it grows. I don't understand why there's so much life or how it happens. I know it's the Spirit of God in us, but there's a mystery to it. When we get together and we, we love God and we try to walk with Him, stuff happens. Lives are changed. Disciples are made. You know, And there's intentionality in all of that, but, but the life part is... Jesus, you just can't, you can't explain it any other way. It's Him growing life in us. And so we've been inspired uh, just down through the years by the church at Antioch in the Bible, that we want to be disciples uh, of Christ at, like the disciples at Antioch. And they uh, just, they went through so much, and they crossed boundaries, and they're marked by grace and life. And so just, let's just read through a few passages here. I'm going to make some points as we go. So open your Bibles, and I suppose this, the text will be on the screen as well if you don't have one. I feel like I'm talking real fast. I'm going to slow down. This fun. <laughs> Just having a blast. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, this is uh, Acts 11, verse 19, that had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So, just right off the bat there, I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and we were talking just all the things going on in our world right now, and he was just saying, you know, it's kind of like persecution in a way. We're going through some some very difficult stuff, and, and I was reminded just a, the next day, I opened this text to Acts eleven nineteen, and what I did was I looked at the word, the Greek word underlying the word persecution here is the word thalipsis. Now, T-H-L, that's not easy. Thalipsis. Can everybody just do that? We're just speaking tongues together. Thalipsis. <laughs> Interpretation is distress compression, difficulty. So it's not just persecution. It's trials. It's troubles. It's tribulations. Are we, have we gone through anything like that, church? Yes, absolutely. That's the kind of thing that we have totally been going through. This kind of pressure, trials, distress, tribulation. And what happens on the other side of pressure is that we break into a new space, like we're literally coming into a new space. But that's what happens in the spirit. That Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have trials, but take heart. I've overcome all of this. I've overcome the world. And so this persecution breaks out. They're spreading the word among uh, Jews only. But some of them, verse 20, however, 
some men from Cyprus and Cyrene, hey, you guys, they went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So what happens is we get under pressure, and then on the other side of that is we do things a little differently than we did before. And so sharing with people outside of the box, outside of who we would normally share with, and we want to see that happening as in our midst here as disciples at Antioch. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So pressure, sharing the gospel, sharing with people outside of the box, maybe how we would normally think about it, and then the Lord is with them, and people are believing. Verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the, what the grace of God had done. And he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So, so the next piece here is that Barnabas is sent by the church. Hey, is this what's going on here? And he can look around, check this out, and see the grace of God. You know, and there is part of this that you just have to see it. I can stand up here and talk about it, but part of it is you got to get in the middle of it and live in it. And when you get in the middle of it and live in it, you see it. You see the, you literally, I can say, hey, the grace of God is here. But when you get in somebody's life and in their life group and you start actually talking with them, you see the grace of God in their lives. And that's, you know, we, there's just a piece of this. It's like, I can only tell you so much. You got to, it's not just me being the mouthpiece. I can tell you so much, but you got to see it. you got to be in life with other people and other, just us together. Now, that's powerful. That's the grace of the living God and great numbers of people brought to the Lord. So then, in verse 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And there's just something about, you know, Saul has been, it seems like he's on the back burner over here a bit. He gets this incredible revelation from Jesus, blinding light, calling vision. You're going to reach the nations. You're going to go to the Gentiles, the ethnic groups of the world. All of that's like given to him. But then he sits kind of on the back shelf for a number of years, 15, 17 years Scholars would think something like that before Barnabas gets him. I mean, it's amazing. And so Barnabas takes a risk in going to get Saul. But you know what happens in life-giving, reproducing church life? Is that people who think they're on the back burner, they're always being tapped on the shoulder and pulled in to what God's purpose is for their lives. You know, God's not done with you. He's got a purpose for you. God's not done with you. He's got a purpose for you. And God's going to, he's going to use us to help one another and those who look like maybe it's done. I mean, hey, I mean, his resume was pretty intense. You know, can, I'm just, it, it remind, I'm thinking Taliban. Third time I've said this in this, in this message, but I mean, he's persecuting the church. They fear him. They fear for their lives because of this man. And now he's going to end up, you know, getting radically saved and, and, and helping to develop the vision of the New Testament, the, the theology 
of the New Testament, this guy comes and does all this. And they were called Christians first. The reason I didn't say Christians at Antioch is just because I feel like in our culture right now, we kind of need to flip that. Because 273 times in the New Testament, believers are called disciples. Only three times we're called Christians. But now Christian is almost kind of cheap. You know, it's like just I drive by a church or I was raised in America. You know, I, we, we want more. We want, to be, we want to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just I kind of do a tip of the hat to believing in Jesus. I want to order life around following him being devoted to Him, walking with Him, knowing Him, walking in intimacy with Jesus, who is the Lord. So, uh, yeah, so all that's going on there. And then the, the last couple of verses I'll read, verse chapter 13, this is the sending part of the church. Now, in, in the church at Antioch, verse 1, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up in the house of Herod, the Tetrarch, like the king, and Saul. And so while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And you guys, that is part of the vision of who we are as the church. We've been walking in that for since year... Uh, the first one we sent out was year two to Enid, Oklahoma, a church plant to Enid, Oklahoma. After fasting and prayer, we sent out a team there. But we've been doing that ever since. You know, we sent out somebody to Asia last week. You know, that's just going on. That's who we are. We are the reproducing church. We are the sending church. We are a diverse sending church like Antioch. That's what we want to be. We want to grow in that grace. And just think, I, I, again, I mentioned the thing about theology a minute ago, but I, I want to make that point again. How much vision and theology comes out of the Antioch church. It's amazing. This was Saul slash Paul's home church. And all of the things that went on there that ended up stirring up this vision of being a multi-ethnic worldwide family, one people together in the Messiah. That was, it, it, it got on the ground in Antioch. And so all of the writing of the New Testament that's influenced by what happened in Antioch, it's mind That's his home church, you know? And so Galatians, it's written because of what was going on in Antioch. One table. There's one table. Not two tables, but one table. Right. Ephesians. It's written to the Ephesians, but we're going to be talking about this this, this fall. It's, it's about being one new humanity together because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Our oneness is included in the atonement. It's just absolutely huge that we understand this. I mean, theologically, that's, that's huge. Romans is written to bring unity to the church in Rome. That's division between Jew and Gentile. And I'm not going to get into all the details of that right now. But, I mean, Romans finds its, its unity purpose, especially in those last few chapters, out of what Paul experienced in the church in Antioch. So I, I could...